Hey, this is Steve Hofstetter, and you're listening to Got Faded Japan, which you should already know because you're fucking listening to it. <laughs> What's up, faders? Welcome to yet another action-packed episode of Got Faded Japan. I am Johnny. Sean. Yep, that's right. And faders, as you find folks know, Got Faded Japan's about two dudes, booze, Japan, and... The news. That's right. And this is episode number 413. Lucky number 13. Yay! And for this special episode 13, uh, we've got a guest. And we've got a very unique guest doing something pretty awesome here in Japan. Um, sorry, no strippers this time, so... Fuck it, should we just stop and... <laughs> no strippers! Well, I, I've, I've never been on the show with the strippers. It's just so... Really? I'm looking forward to the sexy guests, but... Really? Uh, I, I've got a guy. I've got a okay. guy we can call. Oh, yeah. Well, well. I've got a guy that knows a guy, and he's a stripper. Sorry, I don't know any uh, All right. <laughs> um, yeah, but we yeah we do have a very special guest, Ian Martin. Mr. Martin. Uh, Should we call you Ian? Hi. You can call me Ian. That's, yes. That's nice. <laughs> um, so, yeah, what's your deal, Ian? Uh, hey, um, what's my deal? I'm a... Uh, I'm a music journalist. I uh, wrote a book about the Japanese music scene called Quit Your Band. Uh, musical notes from the Japanese underground. And I run a little record label called Call and Response Records here in Tokyo. So, I mean... That's what I do. That's the stuff I do that I'm kind of that I tell people I do. The stuff I do to actually make money, you know. Well, yeah, that that's where the stripping comes in. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you want to do you want to share on the air what you do for money? We all got a moonlight. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I, you know, I'm a writer, and so I just kind of write stuff for people who give me money. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like okay. stripping was like more you know more honorable honestly than a lot of the shit that I write <laughs> so, um, you can be um, honest when you're stripping <laughs> what, what you see is what you get right yeah <laughs> now I don't you know I don't know so Sometimes. much I, I, I don't I know less about your uh, my stripping work yeah your professional <laughs> quote unquote professional career um, like what have you been writing lately um, what, what sort of articles like this, I, honestly, not that much at the moment because I'm in theory I'm supposed to be writing my second book, which uh, is kind of not really happening at the moment. Mm-hmm. But, um, That's the creative so I, process, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the, the very important period of just like months upon months of not writing anything, and then it all <laughs> ideally just kind of flows out of you in one sort of like gonzo stream, and you've got this like masterpiece at the end of it. But. Um, I, I've kind of I haven't been taking any new writing assignments recently. Last thing that I did that got published was, God, what? Um, I mean, there, there was this long article I did for for NPR in the states ah, that ah, ah, ah. came went up a couple of months ago. Mm. Um, I I wrote that like last year or something, but 
it was like a long process of just sort of it, it was very much like a labor of love for the um, for the editor who was working on it as well and we ended up making the whole thing like twice as long as it as we'd originally intended it to be and we added in all this other stuff and I made like a kind of DJ mix that they posted on their, nice. their website and stuff and uh, it ended up being kind of quite a quite interesting very very fun thing to be involved in but I haven't really done anything since then I lie I am working on something at the moment because um, it's the 20 year anniversary this isn't to do with music it's like it's the 20 year anniversary of 1998 which some people believe was the the greatest year in the history of anime and um, as a sort of celebration of 1998 not 1988 which a lot of people say it should be because it's a right? yeah 1998 which is like the great the great year of television anime you know and somebody um, One Piece and uh, <laughs> what came on then I mean Cowboy why is it Bebop great? oh Cowboy <laughs> Bebop oh. Yeah. Um, they always eat noodles in, that, in all their cartoons yeah. or animes but I, I was asked to write an article about Serial Experiments Lane mm-hmm. which is I think one of the best animes ever so I'm kind of pretty stoked about writing that I just spent a few days a couple of days anyway just like watching re-watching all the episodes of that and just got pages and pages of notes all about sort of sort of postmodernism and Baudrillard and all this kind of stuff mm. that I'm going to have to avoid mentioning in the article because I'm going to look like a wanker. Um, <laughs> now, see, I, you know, it sounds like you're out otakoing me. So that's that. <laughs> he is the king otaku. Um, that's impressive. And, I mean, do you want to talk about that? <laughs> I'd like to hear a, a little bit more about the uh, that anime article. I'm my interests are mostly are concentrated in manga. Of course, I mm. I dabble a bit in anime, but I'm more familiar with manga, and I I enjoy more. Maybe my milieu is eighties eighties. <laughs> 80s anime. I love the hand-drawn stuff, but that might mm. just be a phase right now, but... Uh, well, I think, yeah, like, 98 was sort of where the the hand-drawn animation era and then the digital animation era were kind of starting to cross over. Um, Lane was a show that was... The, the actual kind of characters, I think they're all done basically by hand. Okay. But then... Or it certainly looks like it is. Um... You know, it has that thing where when it's kind of zoomed in close on somebody, you can see the lines kind of got much thicker and all that kind of thing. Right, and right, it, it right. It looks like it's been, um, you know, But that's hand-inked. awesome, though, because when you see that, you can feel the love in it, that sure. somebody actually sat there with pen to paper or pen to, what's it called, a cell, a right? Pen to cell, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, there you're just like, oh, awesome, and stuff. Like, yeah. I mean, computers... It's it's a lot. Of course, it saves a lot of time, and it's more. It's easier to get a story across, you know. But when somebody actually sat down and made those, made all the cells, it's it's kind of beautiful. Yeah. Well, that's analog, you know. <laughs> I guess I like records too. <laughs> but in this in this show as well, like, because it's it's all it's all dealing with like, um, uh, just sort of the a lot of the. Um, the weird shit that comes out of um, that was sort of starting to come out of online culture at that time, and which has like really exploded now. And so much of the stuff that's in it, you can kind of see, like, oh yeah, yeah they totally could see like the stuff that we were having to deal with. I mean, I don't think it's actually as like groundbreaking and kind of like, oh man, these guys saw the future. 
I think a lot of that stuff was actually pretty obvious at that time. And if you'd been mm. sort of following pre-internet culture, you could see a lot of the same stuff at work, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, so, but, but because it's dealing with this kind of online world and about the sort of borders between sort of online reality and kind of real life reality, the the animation's also bringing in a lot of computer animation in there, and it's kind of there, there's a lot of mixed media in there. There's a lot of um, bits of it that are actually shot on film and then digitally altered not uh. not like kind of rotoscoping but just you know just sort of digital video that's been kind of fucked around with and they um, like Skinner Darkly? not that kind of thing it's it's more like you know they just they shot some video and then they've like solarized it and stuff like that or like they've put some kind of digital effects over it and things gotcha, and gotcha. integrated that with the animation and then there's some full-on computer animation that's going on in it as well. But it, it's all kind of... There, there's a great... Oh, I'm going to sound like a dick saying this now. There's a great synthesis at work in it between like what the writer's doing, what the director's doing, what the artists are doing, the sound designers. Um, and the whole thing is just so uncompromisingly weird. Mm. Um, it's <laughs> like... it really just does not want you it's you know the way that a lot of um, oddball TV nowadays or like a lot of this modern uh, modern right (laughs) a lot of this like um, (laughs) shows at the moment like Westworld which is which was a good show right I haven't seen season two but season one was a good show season one was good yeah it's what I call it's like a puzzle box show it's a lot of intricate little moving parts mm-hmm. and then you keep watching it and then gradually it all comes together and you're like, ah, oh, that was that, that was that, that was that, that was that and this is how it all fits together. Mm-hmm. Lane is this show where right from the start it's just bombarding you with just like mad stuff done in the most kind of um, disorientating and um, sort of messed up kind of way mm-hmm. and there's a story in it and I suppose if you really go into it you can be like kind of oh right so it's like a thing. David Lynch movie yeah it's more like David Lynch I mean it, it definitely and, and actually like watching the new season of Twin Peaks that was that broadcast last year um, and sort of then coming back to Lane you can see that for example the way that it, in the sound design uses just the crackling hum of like electricity and the way that David Lynch used that in um, season three of Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. you know, it's the, just this kind of background hum, kind of portending evil, you know. Like, <laughs> I love David. You kind of wonder if he'd like watch Lane and sort of uh, thought, oh yeah, I'll have that. You know? <laughs> I mean, probably not, but it's kind of it's interesting that they used a very a sort of similar sonic device mm-hmm. to create this unsettling mood of like you know unease. That's awesome. Yeah. How did you get started as being a writer in Japan? A lot of people that come to Japan, they start off as like an English teacher or an engineer. These days, there's a lot of coders coming to Japan and stuff. But how did you start off as a writer? Like, how did that work out? Were you a writer like uh, in England? You're from England, right? Yeah. Okay. So, you did you start off there, and then you, did you go here on come here on assignment or something, or how did that like pan out? No, I mean I came here after university, and I was just doing the sort of. Uh, English teaching, sort of conversation school gig. Um, Got to make money. 
Well, I mean, I figured, I'll, okay, I'll come over for a couple of years and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I said that 16 yeah, years ago. Yeah, yeah, so me too. Yeah. <laughs> Look at me now. Um, like 17 years now it's coming up to. Really. Yeah, yeah, I'm on 16 this year. Okay. That's, yeah. That seems to be somewhat of the arc yeah. of people coming and staying in Japan. It's, it's planned. a four-year hump, actually. It's After you pass four years, you're pretty much good to go. Like you're yes, stuck. Four years. Where you don't want to leave. Well, I think four years is about the time where it's like you realize, okay, more of my friends are here now than, than back home. <laughs> right. But, All like, my friends are actually... dead back home. That are married. <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> ah. See what you did there. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just joking. Why are you slagging on Wait, marriage? I'm married. Yeah, I know. I've got, I've got the, the honorable institution. I'm, I'm married? Yeah, no, 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 no. It is, it is, it is. Nothing wrong with all our married friends. Um, but the ones that don't call me anymore because they're spending time with their kids, shame on you. <laughs> no, I'm joking. But, um, so, wait, so you were a writer, you, you graduated from school, you are writing there, then you came Would to you Japan. Study? I wasn't, uh, I wasn't writing um, before I came to Japan, really. I mean, I just, after I'd been here for a while, I started, um, uh, started blogging about the music scene here, and then... Mm-hmm. Just uh, the music editor of the Japan Times at, uh, at that time, David Hickey, he picked up on my uh, my blog and started asking me to write a few things for him for money. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "All right, I'll I'll take your money, <laughs> <laughs> and you can have my words." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and um, it's sort of I don't want to say it kind of spiraled from there because it didn't. It just kind of crept onwards kind of gradually grew and, uh, organically no no it didn't really grow that much <laughs> like I, I only write when, I only write stuff when I want to or when I feel like it you know I'm, I'm not I never wanted to um, I don't want to be one of those people who needs who needs it because if you need it then as, as soon as you need the writing for money then you know you're someone's bitch and I don't want to kind of to do that I I always want to keep something kind of a stable source of income that doesn't depend on my my whims um, and just like me whether I feel like it or not you know Um, I mean it's still all writing stuff it's like ad copywriting writing stuff for English textbooks and things like that that's Mm -hmm. kind of what pays the bills Mm -hmm. but um, no that's awesome though but you want to have kind of the stuff my name goes on, I, I don't want to have to do it, you know? You I want to be able yeah. to say yeah or no anytime. And that's the shit that you're passionate about. Like your book. Yeah, I mean, that was something that... Um, it's always just been... I knew somebody or so I met somebody. I was, like, drinking <coughs> with somebody, like, five years ago. <coughs> and then, like, somehow out of the blue, they're just kind of like, oh, we need something about Japanese music. I know a guy, you know? And then mm-hmm. it'll come up. That's um, why I sell half my paintings. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that's that's how you that's how all jobs happen in this kind of world. I need a know? dentist. <laughs> yeah. I met a guy a while ago at a bar and he said he knew something about teeth or whatever. Yeah. That's interesting. Can you tell us a little bit more about your book? Yeah. Well, actually you're talking about the book before we start recording, so for us it's a little bit more for but for you listeners, it's I own new. I own the book. You own the book? I read I your comic, the by the way. Oh you did? I did. No, no, no. I'm halfway through. We're gonna talk about your comic later. Uh, we'll do it on the next He's show. Also a we want we want to do that. We'll do it on the next show. Okay. All right, this cool. is Ian's show. This and is, we'll talk about this. Is my, it's time. our show, it's his episode. <laughs> This is Ian's forum, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I want I want this show to be about. I know, all I, about know Ian. I know, I know. I'm just busting your chops, Ian. Tell us about your book. We don't bust chops, we bust balls. That's right. 
All right. Tell us about your book, bro. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... Um, the title of the book is... Uh, I think I mentioned it earlier. It's, um, it's called Quit Your Bound. Love that title. Uh, what was the subtitle? It was um, Musical Notes from the Japanese Underground, which is like really kind of pretentious thing. It's like that... Right? <laughs> You're the guy that knows everything in the underground. No, it's worse than that. It's worse than that, though, because it's... Um, There's it's, a lot of podcasts that say that now, like, we're the number one underground podcast. Oh, wait, we do that. Ah, yeah. <laughs> mm. oh, shit. Yeah, it's, it's worse than that, though, because it's actually... Because it's a reference to Dostoevsky. Oh, like, yeah? He, he publishes notes from the underground, right? So it's sort of hard <laughs> on that. Do you like Bukowski? Bukowski. Yeah. Um, I mean, I read Post Office like 20 years ago or something. Uh, I read Pulp last year. I got I got a painting okay. of him right over there. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He's one of my idols. He's yeah. talking about Dostoevsky, not Bukowski. Oh, I thought you said Bukowski. Oh, that's, that's, that's a whole different oh. thing, bro. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, they both end in ski, I guess. <laughs> They're both Polish. Uh, I don't. It, it's Dostoevsky. was Russian. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think he's Polish. Oh god, I just dug my grave, huh? Yeah, a little bit. That's all right. Man, all the, the Dostoevsky crowd—they're going to be fleeing from your podcast. Yeah, they he really. Yeah. No, no, no. They're going to listen more, so they know how to kill me. They're like, you know what? I found the find best his, way. Find his weaknesses. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Take away my beard. That's how you kill me. The brothers Karamazov. I dry out like uh, a raisin. Um, Crime and punishment. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Crime and punishment. We yeah. already know your crime. You didn't know Dostoevsky. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, punishment yet to be decided. Take my beer. Take my beer, dude. I'm serious. You take away my beer, and I'll dry up. Um, yeah. Anyway, no. Dostoevsky I mean, and Dostoevsky. Okay. That's. <laughs> I did. I'm sorry. No, but it, it's an ironic. It's an ironic. Um, Dude, I DJed for over Mistake. 10 years, dude. My ears are... That's, that's all right. That's all I hear all the time, dude. Uh, all right, so well, anyway, we're not, we're, uh, Yeah, we're busting your boss now, say, anyway. And uh, Vasily Kandinsky, same guy. They're all the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> not going to make another um, painting. Uh, yeah, you should do a Dostoevsky penny. Dostoevsky painting. I still mess it up. Anyway, Ian, talk about your book. Yeah, so like, aside from the kind of the sort of horrible kind of pretentious pun in the title, it was um, wait the Bukowski pun. Yeah, the Bukowski pun. Yeah. I'm gonna take away your beer. Maybe you'll die too. <laughs> the, uh, uh, like um. Like a friend of mine, um, a friend of mine, um, Matthew Chozik, he's, um, he used to hang out at um, DJ events that I used to put on in Tokyo. He kind of lives in the same neighborhood as me. And he's, um, uh, yeah, we just used to hang out and stuff. And he, he has this little publishing company called Awai Books that he, that he runs. And he, um, one day he said to me, hey, Ian, because he, he teaches classes at a university as well. And he'd been using some of my Japan Times articles with his students because he teaches like a pop culture class. And so he said to me, you know, it would be kind of useful for my class and maybe for other um, sort of teachers as well, like to have a collection of your Japan Times columns in, your, in, um, in like book form. And I thought about this and I thought back on like stuff that I'd written. I was like, oh, stuff I'd written five years previously. And I was like, oh, God, I don't want people to... <laughs> be able to read those horrible things I wrote mm. like back when I was young back when I was a young 32 year old mm. you know <laughs> it's not too young these days <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah. and so I was like I tell you what 
I'll write you a new book from scratch. I'll have you a draft in six months, you know. And so, like, about three years later, I gave him his draft. And it was... Um, um, yeah, I don't know, actually. I think I've managed to give him a first draft within maybe six months or kind of with less than a year. But by the time... Yeah, it was about three years before I finally finished this thing. And um, it ended up... I don't know. I mean, it was sort of pretty chaotic process throwing it all together. Like the third part of the book is like pretty much like what he originally asked me to write but the, the longest part it's like a series of essays about the music scene in Tokyo or in, in Japan and just various aspects of it from various different perspectives like from the perspective of like talking about um, women in bands and like how kind of uh, women are kind of represented and how the music scene kind of deals with that with, to do with the way subculture and um, sub, well, subcultures interact with each other in the music scene um, to do with just the process of running a record label or the process of like a band trying to go overseas and tour and just basically it's like describing what the environment, what the, um, the world that musicians live in is like from various perspectives and then I kind of tied it all together with um, sort of various like personal reminiscences or you know, describing my, I opened book describing myself coming to Japan and then try to give some context about the history of Japanese music so that, you know, you have some context for understanding any new stuff that you might encounter. And then, yeah, just kind of linked it together with these little sort of vignettes, um, some of them fictional, some of them real, some of them sort of <laughs> semi-fictional. <laughs> so, you know, they there's like a little a little short story about a bunch of people trying a bunch of like AKB48 fans you know idol fans just trying to dump like a thousand on a thousand copies of this single that they bought and never listened to just so they could vote in the elections yeah just trying to dump that in like the riverside and things and that was like straight out of um I mean it's fiction but it was like straight out of newspaper reports you know mm-hmm. um just so like, wait wait can you explain that a little bit more I don't know about it. Wait, so they bought a thousand copies of single, well, dumped it in the river because... No, no, but see, what, what when, do you buy you, what, a, when you buy a CD here, like a J-pop CD, and if it's an idol CD like AKB48 or something similar, you can vote for which girl you like the best. <laughs> I see, I and, see. And then I you see. can submit the vote and stuff. So every CD you buy, you get a vote. And then what happens is that girl becomes like the top girl, like a bottom bitch for a pimp, right? And then she gets to sing more in, like, the next CD, and she gets more press and stuff like that. She gets elevated to the next level yes. in AKB48. So if you're a big fan, I you buy, like, 100 CDs. I yeah. understand. So there was, like... I remember just reading a news report about a, a guy in, like, Kyoto or somewhere who'd been, like, arrested for dumping 500 copies, like, in a kind of riverbank somewhere. Um, <laughs> you know, just, like, illegal trash dumping. And so I just kind of imagined, like, a story of some people doing that. But then, like, after it was published, I, I remember somebody contacted me on, on... Somebody tagged me on Twitter with this news report just kind of saying, you know, sort of, you know, Ian Martin nailed this, you know? And there's this mm. news report, which was even funnier than the one that I'd read that I wrote the story from, because it was this guy in, um, like, Oita Prefecture. Oita, yeah. And he had been... Um, he was apparently part of this network around the country where these otaku, these, like, idol otaku, were coordinating the purchases 
of like mass, you know, thousands of copies of AKB48 singles so that they could kind of coordinate and share their votes out, right? And then they were kind of posting the boxes out to each other in different parts of the country to be disposed of separately, like to disperse <laughs> the kind of the garbage, right? Because they don't want to be known as trying to rig the vote. Well, yeah, is that if, part if, of it well, too? I, I don't know. I think it's, I don't think anybody cares. All that stuff is so out in the open. But why wouldn't you just want to go and try because to sell you, your CDs at a shop? And oh, because you can't because they've got, you can't sell 5,000 <laughs> of the same CD at a shop. <laughs> you, you might you sell one. But the, you can the, sell, I mean, but, five and five and five. Even take them. <laughs> You'd have to sell them overseas. They won't even take them for free. You know? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's like, so, so they were sending so them So like you the, said, it's real trash. Yeah, they, they were sending <laughs> them around the country <laughs> to be done. But yeah. it gets better, right? Because, so this guy in Oita... We actually covered this on the show. Uh, okay, <laughs> yeah. okay. Uh, I know. This no, 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 keep help, going. Help, no, help. New listeners have to know about yeah. this stuff. Well, this guy in Oita, he, he gets like a box of like 500 of them and he just dumps them on them a mountainside somewhere. Somebody finds it, and of course his address is still printed. Ah, you asshole. You got, you played yourself. (laughs) Saito-san, we got you. (laughs) So, yeah, you know, this this criminal network was exposed as a result of this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I wish I'd thought of that, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't imaginative. (laughs) No, it's great. So what kind of music do you focus on? Do you focus on like uh, bands like Shonen Knife or do you focus on like the Boredoms and I or do you go to like modern bands that are like uh, Viawat or something or like for this for your book, of course. Yeah. I mean, I try not to focus too much on particular bands, at least in the when I'm talking about the music scene now, because it's like this is the kind of thing where anything you write is out of date the moment you write it. That's right. And so I thought if the book's going to be useful, it can only really use bands as like examples to um, to illustrate some kind of broader point about the music scene where like any other bands that you dis- discover, you know, that they might be able to, you, you can slot them into this kind of, this world. Mm. Um, but I mean, I talk about mostly the examples I use are really drawn from my experience of organizing events, going out to gigs, running my label and stuff like that. So... I mean, that, that's what a lot of the... Um, it's interesting that there's a sort of discrepancy between some of the online comments I've received from like Japanese readers and foreign readers. It's been almost univer- uh, universally sort of positive, the response from foreign readers. But from Japanese readers, the book was like distributed much more widely and it just like reached a much wider audience. So it's in Japanese and in English? Yeah, there's two, okay. ver- two editions of it. Uh, the awesome. Japanese edition came like a year later. But so... The people in the music scene, the people I actually wrote the book for, pretty good response from them. The more mainstream readers who just picked it up, they're like, oh, what do foreigners think about our music, right? From some of them... <laughs> AKB48 is not even in here. <laughs> they, they are. They're, they they're are. quite extensively in Oh, there. no. See, um, that's how you got in trouble. Not, you can't not, mess with those guys. They are gangster. Uh, but it, it was... Uh, yeah, I, I got a lot of one-star reviews from people who were just like, who are these bands? I don't know any of these bands. <laughs> so people who really aren't yeah. familiar with or deep into kind yeah. of the Japanese well, undergr- I mean, underground music you're scene. You're not meant to know who the bands are in the book, you know. It's like, if you're somebody who's just picking up the book to be like, oh, I just want to read about things I already know about, then it's like, okay, buy a different book. Don't buy this book. This is a book. Of, this is my book. <laughs> or <laughs> go on Wikipedia and read about the bands you want yeah. to know more about, right? So, um... 
interestingly about AKB48, one of my sort of proudest moments is that I'm cited on AKB48's Wikipedia for like one of their albums. I think. No, really? Yeah, like I think it's the the album Kokoa uh, Itakoto oh, like from 2011, and under on the kind of reception bit there, I'm, that's, that's I'm the cited one. in that, and it, it just says Ian Martin in the Japan Times described Kokoa Itakoto as quote the kind of music that in more civilized times would have been burned in the streets. <laughs> so did very it, proud of myself. Is it, 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 did, great. I, mean, I did not do that citation myself. It wasn't me. Uh, did they? Was there something lost in translation there? No, it's just that, or like it, it reached a more it reached it reached a more mainstream audience than it was really intended for, and there were pe- people were, you know, people were angry with it for not being a completely different book that they had sort of imagined in their brains that it might be. Well, I guess I, <laughs> so. I, I was wondering about the AKB48 quote. Did they oh, know right. that you were kind of slagging them? I don't know. It's on the English Wikipedia page. Okay, so okay. I, people know I see, I see, I see. <laughs> I think that would be um, lost in translation, maybe. Yeah. In, that's great. <laughs> that's great. Um, so why are people taking their... Mac, their MacBooks out into the streets to burn <laughs> copies of this CD. This doesn't make sense, <laughs> but I like it. Um, um, where can people get your book? Like, I'm sure like on Amazon, but is, do you have a specific website where actually you get more money or something? Is there something somewhere where you can direct our audience? I don't think so. I don't, I don't mind where people buy it anywhere. Really? Just Amazon? Like, I mean, I people can buy it from like my, my labels um, sort of online store. And, there you go. That's great. What's um, your label's online store? Well, uh, it's uh, Call and Response Records, and I can't remember the URL, but just Google us. Okay. <laughs> Call and Response Records. And, uh, I mean, but your book's on Amazon, just Amazon Japan, regular Amazon, I think all the above. most of the Amazons. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How many Amazons are there? I don't know. <laughs> I-, I bought my copy direct from the authors. Yeah, well, you know, you want to get a signed copy, you want to get it from me, don't you? Yeah. You gotta get it from me. I don't know if you signed mine. Actually, I don't... I think, I think the, we were drunk one night. <laughs> we ended up at your place and I ended up with the book and uh, How long have you 20, bucks li- 20 bucks lighter. <laughs> a year or so, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah a year or so. <laughs> okay, cool. We, we I, met... I think, I think Kinokunia in Shinjuku, the one in Takashimaya, has like some signed copies nice. kind of piled up somewhere unless they've sold out for those. I don't know. We we yeah. met at uh, Niman Denatsu. Oh, yeah? Randomly. Um, Very nice venue. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the best, right? Koenji punk it's rock. Def- definitely the loudest, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they build their... They build themselves as having the loudest sound system yeah, in the world. They build themselves as having the world's loudest, don't they? Which yes. I'm, Sure isn't true, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think a couple of drum and bass guys have the loudest one. Yeah. Um, eh, we're not talking about drum and bass on this show. Uh, <laughs> we have Dude. and we do quite often, actually. Dude, hometown Bristol man, home of drum and bass. Uh, Goldie man, I know Goldie. Goldie's, yeah, I know Goldie. Goldie not, he's not from Bristol, but um, Ronnie Size and Represent. They were that was Bristol. I, uh, I've seen them. I, I saw them in Bath, San Francisco, you know, but. Yeah. Uh, that was uh, uh, so. So okay. But so drum and bass is kind of. I, I don't. I love. I loved drum and bass back in the day. I don't know if it's my thing now. Um, I need to probably revisit it. But we're not. 
talking negatively about Back that. In my day, we called it jungle. The oh, jungle. Well, jungle's a little different. Like DJ hype, LSD, super shop, shoot the shoot the shops, <laughs> shoot the shops. But bum, bum, well, bum, jungle bum, was bum, a, bum, originally a um, when they called the bass music. Now let's go back. Jungle was originally like um, neg- a, a, a kind of negative term, wasn't it? I've never heard that before. I've never heard it used in a negative way. Like, I used not to be a jungle DJ. DJ. No, yeah, but I thought, <clears throat> anyway, we'll, we'll go <laughs> what on. What are you talking about? Um, I want to hear about your label. Yeah. So please, all right, so your label, how long have you had your label? Uh, when did you start it? Late 2005, so we're coming up to 13 years now. That's awesome. Why did um, you start a label? Like, after I started writing my blog, um, which was like 2003, maybe like a year or so of writing a blog, I'm kind of, you know, I'm going out to gigs and I'm writing about them, writing horrible, really bad writing, you know, because... <laughs> this band obviously. sucks! Well, you've got to turn them out, the, uh, those types of articles, quickly, right? You can't wait bad at writing, three you know, weeks was, to yeah. <laughs> you say that post a, a review. Um, I, mean, I wasn't doing it professionally. I was like a 24-year-old idiot, you know, but... Um, after a year or so of that, I kind of wanted started wanting to organise my own events, and it, the bar is not that high for getting involved in that kind of thing in Tokyo, really. I've been like, doing it for years. Yeah, mm-hmm. small. The bar is low. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How low can you go? Pretty low. Yeah, like you get thirty people through the door, and you've got you, the event's gone okay, right? I, I so get I, a lot more than that, actually. I <laughs> rarely, <laughs> sometimes, but um, the I've seen less, John. <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> you should open the door as That night when it was raining. Oh, anyway, okay, never right, mind. Right, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah. And there was an <laughs> earthquake. Yeah. Sorry, God. But anyway. What's up, haters? Do you like our show? Of course you fucking do. That's why you're tuned in. But have you ever asked yourself if you could get more out of your got-baited experience? Well, now here's your chance because we are proud to announce our very own Patreon page. But don't freak out. Our podcast was and always will be free, but with your generous donations, we hope to improve it. And since we're all about fan appreciation, we've got the sweet, sweet rewards for our donors. Rewards include, but not limited to, shout-outs, bonus content for interviews and news stories, chances to appear on our show, and even gift packages sent direct to your door. For more information, check out our Patreon page and fade on. So, you know, I started putting on events, and um, after putting on events for like a year or so, I wanted something a little bit more, a little bit more permanent, I guess, like a kind of a memorial of this. So I um, decided to make a compilation album of some of the bands that. uh, Are you gonna give me my view? Keep going, Ian. Don't worry about our (laughs) shenanigans. I can't help it. I get distracted by shenanigans. (laughs) It's all right. They're fun. They're fun. Well, your so, shenanigans are more interesting than what no, I'm saying no, about it's my, not, it's my definitely boring not. music events. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> so, so you started organizing events in Koenji. You're more yeah. West Coast, right? Or West West Coast. You were more West Side Tokyo. So Koenji, Asagaya, maybe Mitaka bands around there? Like, I mean, the bands come from anywhere. Um, I think that's one of the things that's changed maybe during the time that I've been in Japan is that I think that music scenes aren't quite as... Music scenes within Tokyo aren't as like geographically sort of focused as they used to be. I think. But Koenji's more hardcore. Like modern bands like Viawat are just. I mean, these guys are like people that get tattoos on their neck, which is just unheard of like a while ago, right? I, I mean, mean, outside the hardcore scene, but um, I think within the hardcore scene, that that's been 
Koenji. Well, yeah, that's true. But the thing is, I think whenever I see a band that's Koenji based, or if I go to like Koenji or Asagai and I see a band, yeah. and then you really get into like the subculture, via lot right now, so I'm like on my A list. Right. But like bands like that and their fans, they're really hardcore. But then yeah. if you get somebody from like, for example, Osaka is also pretty awesome. But Tokyo based bands, like bands like, let's say, well, I don't want to diss any bands that I know, but other kind of local Japanese bands, I think for them, they're not in it like, a hundred percent. They love the music. They love making music, but they know, like, in the next like five years, they're gonna get a job. You know, at their brother's like store, at their dad's yeah. office, or something. I think Koenji's more into like the long haul. Koenji's yeah, more I mean, hardcore. Koenji's, it always has been. Koenji's one of the few neighborhoods in Tokyo that still has kind of quite a strong like identity yeah. in that way. But I mean, I, I think that the division isn't so much. I mean, there, there is a division between Western and East Tokyo in the sense that most live venues are in West Tokyo. Yeah. Um, but I think that, I mean, with the kind of music that I'm I'm dealing with, which is stuff like adjacent to punk, not necessarily punk itself, but stuff adjacent to punk, sort of, you know, sort of arty kind of, kind of, almost punk, but no, we're not actually punk kind of things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that... I think there's a division between, you know, I talk about this in the book, I call them, there's like Chuo line bands and there's Setagaya bands. Those are the two types. <laughs> See, there you go. Yeah, that's, that's my point. Yeah. So I, I think that's kind of what you're getting at a little yeah. bit. I mean, um, the Chuo line bands are just like a, they're just like a bit dirtier. and They're raw. If, yeah, I mean, I mean, and if, we, if we're going to sort of start putting value judgments on this, they're, they're more real. Yeah, know? no, that's Grease, exactly the point. <laughs> Greasy, right? A greasy, yeah. right? Yeah. Sometimes the second band's are just easy. <laughs> no. Yeah, you well, could. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, but not the, as a the, genre. The, sort of, the Setagaya type isn't sort of bad either. It's like often they're easier to deal with, you know. It's uh, like, yeah. <laughs> 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 the, and those are the bands that kind of go overseas as well because they, they're more likely to just sort of speak English and to know what what's happening in overseas music scenes and things as well. They're more likely to be in touch with what's cool overseas and they're often like maybe a bit more outward looking. I think that that sort of Chuo line tendency, much as I love it and much as I'm kind of, you know, immersed in it because I, you know, because I live in Koenji, is um, it can be a bit inward looking sometimes, you know, a bit... You said, like, very committed. Yeah, but also kind of unambitious, right? Mm. It gets a little bit too insular. Yeah, I think it can do. It can do. I mean, that's just like and a And it doesn't get at maybe out of the chew line too much, perhaps? Well, Unless I book them. Yeah, I mean, you know, they'll go to, like, Nagoya for a gig or something. But it's... I mean, that that's partly a feature of just, like, music scenes in Tokyo anyway. It's, like, way too big. And there's not really a lot of information out there. So... Music scenes tend to be quite insular because that's the only way that organizers can guarantee that people are going to come. It's like the only way that you're going to get a full house for a lot of um, events is just if everything on the bill sounds exactly the same, mm, <laughs> you know. Mm, 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 um, mm. Unless you've got like a big audience that you can bring yourself as the organizer, mm. the bands themselves they're not going to bring that audience unless everybody is kind of the same and the fans are like, oh, cool, I know that band, I know that band, I know that band, all right, I'll go to this one. Mm. A lot of bands are kind of lazy when it comes to promotion, too. Yeah, that's also true. And I mean, there's, from what, you know, I haven't lived in Koenji so long, but there's kind of, 
uh, big bands in Kalenji that draw big crowds. Oh, there. Uh, but <laughs> please introduce that me don't, to these bands. <laughs> that don't that don't play outside of Kalenji so much. You uh, know, they don't really tour Japan. That and a lot of bands can't really tour. Like touring Japan's expensive, and you've got to take a month off work if you want to make it work. And right, right, just, right, right. You can't really do that and hold down a job in Japan. You have to like completely drop out of society if you're going to be the kind of band that, that tours, you know. I know one band, they broke up now, there was uh, Tits, Tats and Whiskers. Okay. Do you know those guys? <laughs> no. Well, anyway, t- they're broken up, so it doesn't matter. But anyway, what they they're, did was... They're kind of gaijin, though, yeah? Well, well kind of, yeah, I guess. But the thing is, what, what they did... kind of? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, one girl's half Japanese. Do I got to break down? She's... Uh, so part right, of the trio right, was worry, Japanese. Worry, yeah. guess, okay, all right. What does that mean? What does that matter? Are you being racist or something? Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> a little but, bit, because I... No, I the, question the most, this band's for, Japanese credentials. For the most, yeah. yeah I, I, I haven't looked at anybody's passport, but that, that's not even the, the point. The thing is, like, what they gaijin. Oh, great, yeah. You know, you know what that means. You, you know of course people, I know what it means. You, know you are gaijin, so shut the fuck up. <laughs> but the thing is this, though. Um, what they did was how they toured... Um, they, uh, whatchamacallit, they went, uh, or every weekend, see, you're fucking me up. Every weekend, what they did was they went to a different country, or a different country, a different city. Mm. So, like, they worked nine to five during the week, and then on the weekends, they toured, and they did that for, like, two months. And they hit up, like, I think they tried to hit every prefecture in Japan. Right. And I think they came close. Yeah. I mean, when I was, like, a couple of years ago, I did this thing where I, um, I visited every prefecture in Japan. Mm-hmm. Looking at uh, trying to find out stuff about music scenes in every place. Really? Uh, yeah. Every um, prefecture. Yeah, I, I've I've been to every prefecture in Japan now, and um, I remember like I, you know I'd be at venues and I would sort of check the posters on the wall to see like which bands from Tokyo were playing in these venues and things and things like that. And I remember there was like um, one band who I always used to see their posters in venues was uh, Old Dick Foggy. Um, <laughs> Repeat that band name. It's Old Dick Foggy. Old Dick Foggy. I love that name. I think they played it like Fuji Rock this year, actually. Like they, they, they're, they're veterans. They've been at it for ages. And they had these really extensive tour schedules. They were like playing like 40 dates. But you look at the dates. Ooh. God damn it, Johnny. Oh, sorry. Go fucking around, bro. We're fucking recording a radio show dude, here. Dude, I got a fucking email on my computer, dude. Sorry. <laughs> block that shit, man. I can't block. Dude, shut the fuck up. All right, please continue. I'm sorry. Old Dick Foggy. About 48, maybe 40 dates on this tour. But you look at the dates, and every one of them is Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or like national holidays. And so, yeah, go. this is a band who's like working like a a day job in Tokyo, and then they're just jetting off every single place. Yeah, that's how they do doing it. doing their tours. And... Like, got to admire the, you know, the commitment there, you know. Um, you don't grind, you don't shine. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, case in point, they played Fuji Rock this year, and Fuji Rock was pretty amazing for yeah, what I, I hear. Can't remember, yeah. So Summer Sonic's happening right I, now. I, yes, it is. And, and you're not there? I'm not there. I, know, I was at Sonic Mania last night, though. Uh, you went? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I my was, Bloody Valentine. I saw My Bloody Valentine, yeah. They were, they were good. Nice. Awesome. How did you start your label? Like, what was the process? Um, I, it wasn't that complicated, really. It was just, I just got the songs and then I sent them to a 
CD press and then they sent me like a thousand CDs and I still have most of them. <laughs> like, um, that was it really. And then I just tried to shop them around record stores. Like after that, um, after the kind of dismal failure of that process, I um, signed a deal with a distribution company, but um, it doesn't really affect things that much. And, and I make way fewer CDs in one one order now. Even though it, it, it costs about the same to make 300 as it does to make a thousand or like not that much less you don't just, want them in your garage I just don't want them in my closet yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> is there a lot of competition in Koenji like are there a lot of different labels because Koenji has so many bands I don't really know about labels so much I don't think I mean there, there's you know there's major labels and then there's a handful of like somewhat professional indie labels like P-Vine and um, like Ultravibe and things like that. And those are Koenji labels? No, they're just Tokyo somewhere. Tokyo labels, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, I mean, the idea that one Koenji label would be in competition with another one is sort of People are just sell, trying to sell yeah. records, CDs, and... Yeah. Do you, one thing I notice about Japan is there's often this kind of collaborative effort in business. So, like, uh, and I'm talking about physical stores, like, you know, there's a um, camera shop in Quenji that right. sells, you know, kind of old-school cameras. Yeah, yeah, I Somewhat know, antique cameras. Yeah. But they don't develop film because another pre-existing store down the street develops film, so they don't want to want to impinge on their business so they don't get involved in that aspect of business and they just sell oh, that's weird. physical cameras and people want to cohabitate in that environment. That's a Koenji thing. In Koenji. Because like right next to the Starbucks there's a detour and right next to 7-Eleven there's going to be a family mart, you know? <laughs> well, that's a different thing but we're talking about more indie shops Yeah, in Koenji. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, how that figures in the music scene, I'm not sure. Um, I think there is sort of a. Th I think there is a certain sense of responsibility that you feel to like towards your friends' businesses, where it's like, you know, like a mate of mine um, runs a sort of rehearsal and recording studio in Asagaya, and so you don't want to kind of fuck up your friend's business by kind of trying to undercut him in his territory, right? Mm, exactly. Like, for sure, you yeah, you wouldn't do it. But, I mean, I don't think a two record labels in one town isn't really kind of doing that, though. I, I mean, one thing that I do, actually, with events is that um, where there are other organisers who are organising similar kinds of events to me, I will sort of try to I, I do try to kind of coordinate with them to avoid putting events on the same days where possible I mean you can't be, because it's you're booking stuff six months ahead of time and you just yeah. don't know what people but you try as much as possible not to or like you know that if you do have an event on and you're, you're bringing a band from like Fukuoka to come to that show then like your mate who does an event the next day you might kind of try and coordinate your shows so that you can both book this band and they'll get a bit more money and you'll try to sort of, you know, book slightly different kinds of shows to avoid, like, 
fighting for the same audience and things. I mean, the the, the event that this T-shirt here is uh, advertising tension. This was um, uh, this is this is an event that I do, you know, once or twice a year with a friend of mine, um, Mayumi, who's the guitarist from this excellent band called People, like P hyphen I P L E, Ipple, and um, for a long time. She and I were both organizing quite similar sorts of events in Tokyo. We knew each other for like 10 years. And th there, there was a point where we were like, maybe we should just be doing the same event, right? <laughs> and we should just kind of organize this stuff together. And um, so, that, yeah, that kind Wait, of collaboration. Yeah, we, I mean, t Tension is us. We, oh, we, okay, we do so you it do together. do it together. Okay, that's yeah. awesome. And, you know, and I, I released her band's CD and things as well. And uh, so the whole thing's become very integrated now. Mitsuya Liquors. Yo, what's up, faders? If you're in Asia, if you're in Japan, if you're in Tokyo, if you're in Asagaya, you better get down to Mitsuya Liquors. That's right. For the most affordable prices in Japan, you can get over 300 different kinds of beer. That's right, over 300 different kinds of beer. And of course, they got all the shochu you need, all the sake you need, and of course, they got wine from California to Italy to France, to New Zealand. They got it all. When I say they got it all, they really, seriously, got it all. There's no joke about that. So get down to Mitsuya Liquors. And if you go in there and you say, got fit of Japan, you will be more than welcome to go into their back room and drink those beers that you just purchased. That's right, got fit of Japan at Mitsuya Liquors. And three times a week, they have a sushi chef there. So get your sushi on, get your drink on, get your fade on, and come on down to Mitsuya Liquors, located comfortably in Asagaya, about five-minute walk from the station. Mitsuya Liquors. Yo, what's up, Faders? Got Faded Japan has got a new sponsor. Our new sponsor is Gamuso Bar, located in Asagaya, Tokyo. If you're kicking it in Tokyo and you want to get your groove on, get your fade on, you better get your ass down to Gamuso. Gamuso is located in Asagaya. It's about 11 minutes from Shinjuku Station on the Chuo Line. Gamuso has weekly bands, weekly performances. And hell, if you got your own event and you want to hold it at Gamuso, we'd love to host you. So contact Gamuso at www.gamuso.com. That's www.gamuso.com. That's right. Gamuso has not only beers in the bottle, but beers on tap. We've got every drink you want, so come on down to Gamuso. Gamuso, and if I'm working, tip me. How many bands are in your label? Blah. <laughs> I, we, I, don't have, I don't have contracts with any of them, so it's just the only band on my label is whatever the last band I released is at any given moment. Mm -hmm. But um, mm -hmm. there, there, there's a bunch of bands that I guess are sort of vaguely within my circle, and there's a sort of unspoken understanding that if they come up with a new thing, I'll put it out. Um, do you release uh, CDs? Do you rest, or do only? Because on your website, you have a lot of uh, just like streaming and downloads. But do you do CDs still, or do you do? Have you ever pressed vinyl? Um, we tried a vinyl once, um, or at least yeah, like one band that I work with, Loshi. These uh, they're sort of electronic and a bit sort of psychedelic mm. kind of. Um, mm group they made they just pressed a very limited hundred uh hundred record run of um of their vinyl and it really just it was very difficult to sell it it may have been bad timing if we did it now it might have sold better um but that really made me cautious about vinyl it's really expensive to make 
Yeah. And unless you're a band who's regularly selling 500, 1,000 copies of whatever they're doing on another format, you, I don't think it's worth making vinyl. <clears throat> um, cassettes kind of... We, we sort of cassettes. played around with cassettes. You, da- you dabble in cassettes? Cassettes has got to be cheap as shit. It's very cheap to make. I mean, that's why a lot of bands do it, I think, because it's cheap to make and they just want a physical thing to sell at gigs. And you can make really short runs of cassettes. You can do 50, 100 cassettes. Like with CDs, 300 is kind of the minimum, I think, in, really, in Japan. I mean, it's basically, it's got to be CDs for me. Not because I'm... You don't have a cassette player, huh? <laughs> well, I don't have a cassette player, but I have released a few cassettes just so... Because the bands wanted them, you know. Are you sure this is good? <laughs> I, I, I can't just, listen to I it. Just, I just take the download card out and just download it. I was like, oh, okay, that was great. But, um, <laughs> a, f- a, friend of mine, um, a friend of mine from Canada, he, um, did a, he put out a cassette a few years ago. Um, they did a hundred of them, and they sold out. And... It was only after he'd sold a hundred of them that he realised there'd been a mistake in the um, the pressing. And it was the, empty. It was blank. And, no! And one, only one person figured ah. it out. <laughs> no, nobody else listened. I don't think to anyone else listened, yeah. Oh, shit. That's classic. That's classic. <laughs> I do know what we should do. We should release a Got Fitted Japan cassette. That's what you do. You Ooh. heard it here, faders. Well, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, we can. Uh, we can just. You're based it'll in just be blank. Ideal. You know, you're it's just, just around the blank. corner from uh, from Waltz, the uh, Tokyo's only cassette record store. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, right over there. Yeah, yeah. that there. Right place. There. Of course, I, dude. I look, it's right there. You can see it from my window. Yeah, it's, oh. it's just. It's literally across. <laughs> the street. We can go there later. It's actually yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, I think right now they have a lot of uh, soul soul records on display because of the passing of the Queen. You don't have a tape player. No, I got a CD player and I rarely use they that. They have tape players in Waltz. You could buy one in Waltz. Yes, they yeah. sell the. They got boomboxes. Have you uh, have you heard of the Nakamichi Dragon? No. It's it, it was this. He's gonna take you down a was, rabbit hole. It was, no, no, no. It's this high end. Uh, this Japanese company making high end cassette players. And um, oh, so the ones that you can scratch on? No, 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 no. Oh. This is old school, vintage cassette players. So the Nakamichi Dragon, when you get to the end of the side, ejects, flips the flips the tape, puts it back in automatically. Okay. So it's so like, it's like advanced, a jukebox for it's like advanced. Japanese over over engineering over the top. Right? Yeah, so and, rather uh, than just have the the spools turn the other way. Yeah, no, it like flip the thing <laughs> physically. <laughs> why would you do that? <laughs> it looks dope as fuck, man. That's why it, it does. But okay, question: If somebody, a lot of people are coming to Japan right now from all over the world. They're musicians, they're singers, they're performers and stuff. And some people here want to get into the business side of music. If somebody wanted to start like a label here, like let's say a rock and roll label, a hip hop label, something like that, what is some advice that you could give them? Can I interject? What? Uh, no, I just asked a question. Please answer. Look, but gotta... it, unless you understand, the, you know, unless you are here and are going to shows and understand the scene, then you're not qualified. You can do whatever you want. But I think, like, part of what Ian's about, but what's, I'm, I'm what's, made, what's made Ian successful is he's... I'm not it, successful. He's I'm really in the scene. <laughs> uh, but you put out dope-ass bands. <laughs> you do. And you're, you're, you're in the scene... And you understand it. Okay, that's great. So give us the advice, please. Cause Wait, see, what was the question again? 
I forgot. No, I remember. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> there's a lot of people that are coming to Japan. Like right now, uh, the amount of people that are coming to Japan is like 400% more than last year. It's fucking right. phenomenal, right? Yeah. Maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. I don't know. It's great for the economy, I guess, I suppose. However, uh, a lot of people are interested in music. There are performers. Because I, I, I organize events just like you. I've got, mm. I have events like every two weeks, right? right? And um, in my events and stuff, a lot of people that come to my events are interested in music. They have bands. They, they, they're singers or musicians. Some people are interested in like organizing events, this and that and stuff. Some people want to be international promoters. And... If somebody's interested in starting a label, what is some advice that you can give them other than don't do it? <laughs> really, because that was going to be my first advice. Um, <laughs> I guess the second advice would be don't look for a shortcut. Um, like, you know, what Sean said is right, I think. It's like, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I, I hear those kinds of things as well. And I, I, honestly, I find it kind of annoying. It's like, well, you're just asking me for the shortcut to... To something, you well, know. People like, ask me the same thing for painting, you know. Yeah. I mean, I sell my paintings it's all like, over the world and shit. You're like, how do I do what you're doing? And I'm like, practice. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I think for, for the music scene, I, I mean, if they want to make money out of it and get into the business, no idea. I just don't think you should do it. I don't think people should be in the music business. I Good. Think, yes, I, yes. I this is what I want to hear. I don't think the music. This business, is it. <laughs> Tell me the knowledge. <laughs> I don't Give think, it to me. I don't think the music business should exist. It's, I think it's. <laughs> I think it's sort of disgusting and should be burned to the ground. But, um, the, um, but, um, I mean, in terms of just getting involved in the music scene, mm -hmm. I think what I, th I, this isn't necessarily advice, this is just like what I think people should do because I want this to be the world that we live in I think be a good fan first you know everyone wants to be on the side of I'm going to be the guy making stuff I'm going to be the mm -hmm. guy mm -hmm. who's like kind of coordinating things I'm going to be the guy receiving all the acclaim and everything it's like dude be a fan there aren't enough fans mm. be a fan mm. right no that's true no how do people find your music other than going to your website like, like your events and stuff what's your next event bro that's actually a better question. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's, it's not, um, actually not really been decided yet when the next one is, but I'm, I'm going to be DJing at uh, Substore in Coengi on September 7th. You guys um, were talking about Substore. What is Substore? It's just like a nice little bar and they've got like a DJ set up and you can sometimes have like sort of semi-acoustic or electronic live music in there. It's, it's a nice little place, that's all. And it's in Koenji. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Do okay. you ever leave Koenji? Because I got friends I that live in to. Koenji, and my friends that live in Koenji, yeah, they, for them to go to Shinjuku is like pulling teeth. They're like, well, I'll go to Asagaya. And I'm like, wait, that's further away. <laughs> not, not further away from Koenji, though, is it? It's, no, from like, uh, from Shinjuku, yeah, yeah. and the Chuo line. It's like a stop further. Yeah. No, I mean, actually, this sort of reminds me of something. It's like last year when um, uh, me and the wife were, were buying a house and we, um, the, my wife was talking to, uh, one of the, to an estate agent and he was showing her this map of Tokyo because we were looking for places in the Koenji area. He showed her this map of Tokyo and it was colour-coded according to how long people stay in a neighborhood before moving to another neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And like, the Koenji area was just like bright purple. 
and everything else around it was sort of like softer tones of sort of yellow and green. And what that means is that once people move to Koenji, they don't leave. It's an... Um, I mean, this is in the more more general process of just like buying places and sort of you know renting apartments and just living in places. But I remember I was when I was um, researching my my book, um, I was talking to um, uh, Nakao Kentaro, the bass player from Number Girl and from like Crypt City, plays in now. Um, you know, one of the most awesome bass players in Japan, and he he came out to Koenji to have a chat. And we were just sitting in this sort of really skeezy little kind of like izakaya bar, kind of dirty little place. And there was a point where he, in this interview, where he just like leaned back and he looked around the place and he looked out the window and he just said, man, Koenji's dangerous. He's like, he said that if I lived in Koenji, I don't think I'd ever leave, you know. He, he'd never, he wouldn't have been able to be a successful musician if he lived in Koenji because it's a trap. You just... You feel too comfortable there and you don't like leaving. Mm. And he's right, it's a problem. I don't really like going out to a gig that I can't walk to within 10 minutes of my house, you know. Um, I mean, I will because I'm... It's kind of your job. <laughs> yeah, this job that I just don't get paid for and lose loads of money on. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, I, I can, I've got a bicycle now. It's really helpful. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta um, go to Asagaya, huh? Yeah, Asagaya. <laughs> um... I don't know. I mean, it makes going to Shimokita's hour easier, you know, because the trains from Koenji to Shimokita are... Is Shimokita still cool? Shimokita was, like, really cool, like, 10, 15, 20, 30 years uh, ago. But now now that it's, like... It's too much of a brand now. Yeah, yeah. Now Shimokita, when you <laughs> go there, you know, there's, like, what, three Starbucks? They're going to add another McDonald's to it and stuff. And there's it's, the it's, fake Starbucks as well. There's that kind of... In, it used to be called Inspired by Starbucks. And it was like all Starbucks. I, I lived in Shimokita's house. I lived in Shimokita's house for nine years. So when I lived in Shimokita's house, when I first moved there, when the station, remember the old station yeah, yeah. where the station was actually was part horrible. of a big house? Yeah, that yeah. was terrible. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, people were selling shit on the street, like left around. People would be selling like like artwork or like yeah. uh, maybe just like pottery that they made or something. It was really kind of grimy and stuff. And I really enjoyed that. I was like, ah, this is the place where I want to be. You know, every, when you went to a bar and shit like Trouble Peach, everybody was a writer or a musician or an mm. artist or something very interesting. People are unique. But then when I left, when I when me and my wife when we left. God damn it. You fucking asshole. This computer... No, it's fucking hooked up. I can't turn this off and shit unless I turn off my computer. So fucking... Fuck you, computer. You gotta edit that out, bro. You can't edit this shit out. But anyway, the thing is, like, when we <laughs> left, it was just like they just built a new Uniqlo superstore. It's like a five-story Uniqlo yeah, shop. Yeah, I remember that sells, like, happened. 80 different pairs of socks that are all white, yellow, blue, green. It's, like, ridiculous, right? And I was just like, yeah, it's a good time to leave. Yeah. You know, and it was sad because I remember one of my friends was a, uh, do you remember, oh, do you remember the comic book guy? He was, uh, he was uh, uh, the, the guy that used to read all the comic the books and stuff, he had the yeah. big glasses. He's still there sometimes. You know? He's yeah. still there sometimes. He's still there sometimes? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he mostly kind of hangs out in, in Okashira Park in uh, Kichijoji, I think, the, these days. Oh, he's days, from Kichijoji? Yeah, that makes sense. That, so that's it, kind of his, that, that's his main area, but he, he definitely does, like, you know, the, um, he does TV the sometimes. Yeah. From, Dramatic um, readings of manga. Yeah, he dude, he's the guy was famous for a while. He had this little what? stuff where he's, he's on TV. Still, he's still. He's I, gotta, the I gotta check yeah. this out. Yeah, he's great. And then uh, what's called? There's a fire guy. The guy that he would like swing fire and shit. Okay. Yeah, he had these. I remember, but yeah. Well, anyway, yeah, he was the fire guy that would play with fire and do like fire shows and stuff. But yeah, I mean, a lot of that shit's gone, you know. So yeah, Shimokita's yeah. is just ah. Uh, 
I still go there um, because, um, like, so one of the venues there, Shimokitazawa 3, which is sort of a little bit out of the centre of, uh, of the town, but... Um, is it by the tracks? No, it's kind of down the, um, you know, the street where the McDonald's is, you sort of keep going down ah, there. Ah, like, uh, okay, okay, gotcha. It's like three in the basement bar are kind of in the same... Mm-hmm. Area underneath the liquor store, very good location, and the oh. um, anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so um, the guys who run th- three, um, they're they're trying to do something a bit different in the music scene there, and you know they they stopped the pay to play system, and the, you know they're trying to kind of break out of that cycle, and they put on a lot of free shows there, that, you know, or sort of fr- free in the European sense of just like pay what you want, right. Um, so they asked me to organize some like free parties there. So on like the first the first Monday of every even numbered month I'll do like a a free party there with like three bands and three DJs, which I think is like the ideal setup for a weekday evening gig, you know. It shouldn't just be band 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 band, you know. People don't want that Sort of yeah, like because pressure, there's, right? there's no time to like to talk to talk anybody. To yeah, yeah because a lot of it's like the networking and just like when socializing that you do at shows, you know. Of course, the bands are great, but mm. like if it's just this like this continuous nonstop of bands playing, yeah. you don't have time to talk to anyone. That's or why Niman Vault's such a good venue because you can kind of uh, you know Niman Danatsu because it's got the bar and you can just escape from the music sometimes. Sure, but, sure. Um, so anyway, yeah, I do, I do shows there once every couple of months and it's a it's a good reliable venue so I go to shows there I'm going there after this actually tonight um, but um, yeah it's just you know it's a pain in the ass to get there from Koenji even though it's not that far so it's, uh, it's getting having a bicycle really helped uh, it's definitely the way to go and I yeah. guess uh, Hardcore Chocolate Hmm. Our friends, my friend Mune San, Mune, uh, they the hardcore chocolate shops u- used to be at Shimokitazawa before it was in Higashi Nakano. Really? So the the whole reason I I ever found out about hardcore chocolate was I had this book about called Tokyo Underground about. Uh, Japanese toy shops uh, and where you go I know to, that book. and you, where you go to find the cool Japanese toy shops that sell Sofubi and otaku shit and it had a little blurb about hardcore chocolate and I was like this this place seems cool like I and I went to the place where the book said it was and it wasn't there and I, I kind of googled it after that and I could Find the place anyway. So yeah. I guess Shimo. No, Shimo's Shimo's a, a dinosaur. It's dying slowly. It's going to be extinct. It's going to be like Shibuya Part Two. It's only a matter of time before you go there and you see a bunch of Yamambas. <laughs> I think it's, it's going to be like. <laughs> I think it's going to end up like, and it almost is already. It's going to end up like Kichijoji. You know, just kind of a nice place to be, but like doesn't have quite as much personality as it used to. I think. Mm. That's, I, don't, I mean, I don't think it's going to end up as like a bad place it's, it's a nice place it's just not as cool as it used to be it's a place for the kids you know you go I mean, there with the family they're fucking up Koenji now anyway they're kind of trying to like cut a massive road up through the middle of the north side really? split the entire town in half you know oh god so like, they're, they're, well, they're saying that the ambulances can't kind of get around in all the narrow streets which is kind of true <laughs> you know it's like if there's a massive earthquake a lot of people in Koenji are going to die but um, it would be uh, so it would be kind of 
probably helpful, but they could, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm more about, like, make smaller ambulances. That's, for me, that's, that's my approach. What about ambulances that are motorcycles? Yeah. yeah. I mean, pretty soon we'll be riding on, like, uh, jet can't, bikes. Can't they make, like, drone ambulances? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like uh, jet bikes or uh, yeah. uh, floating yeah, I, I, vehicles, so they don't even need to fuck I, around I know, I know. I, I've read your comic, I know. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, I, I got a question. Yeah. All right, so out of all your bands that are on your label, who is like, I don't want to say best because that's not fair, but who is like your Michael Jackson? Like who's like the band that makes like the most money, is the most notorious, the most hardcore, you know, who's like the band where you're just like, okay, we got many great bands I recommend for you to listen to. Maybe who are you the most, the most enthusiastic about at this moment? I, I mean, I can't answer that because it's always like, the one I'm most enthusiastic about is always whatever the most recent one I've released is because that's the one that's in my mind at the moment. Which is? Uh, which was like sea level although um, they were like a sort of post-rock band, very kind of experimental rock. And it's not... I wouldn't say it's necessarily representative of what the label puts out. But, you know, it's just the most recent thing we put out and I think it's amazing. And I, I've, of all the albums that I've released, I think that the sea level album, uh, Dictionary, Open Brackets, Handwritten close brackets is like one of a very very small number of albums I've released that's actually an album you know it's not like a band who've like taken their awesome live set and just created this really nice document of it it's like they've composed this album that you can listen to as an album and it works as an album you know um, but I mean if I was going to pick one band there's a there's a lot of different answers to this question, right? Sorry, I'm, I'm being no. That's kind great. Of, that's what we want. Um, okay, so there's this band. I put out a couple of their CDs a long time ago. They haven't done a new album in like almost ten years now, which is killing me. Really, it's killing me. Um, a band from Fukuoka called Hyakka, um, H Y A C C A, and like it's two Japanese characters. It's like C. Yeah, they spell it with two C's. Wow. Um, okay. Because there's a band called Hyakke, which with two K's, K's and which right, is yeah. very similar, and it just looks a, a little bit too close, I think. Yeah. But they, they write it as two kanji, um, 100 mosquitoes, hyaku ka. Ka, right? Yeah. Right. It's a sort of terrible pun, which I can't go into. But mm-hmm. um, they put out a couple of sort of mini albums, um, it's about 30 minutes each, um, about 10 years ago, <laughs> um, from uh, Call and Response, and they're both... I think they're they're a band that's like really at the heart of what I th- I sort of want call and response to represent. They 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 have a lot of things that I like. They have like a thing with like male and female vocal sort of twin vocals that will sometimes bank, bounce backwards and forwards between each other, call and response style. Um, and I, I, that's just the sound I always like, you know, that sort of contrast between male and female vocals within one song. Is that kind of like what your label is known for? Not like, do you have a lot of that? Like, for example, a lot so of labels much. have, like, a specific kind of sound. What would be your label sound? Like, you know, the, the elevator pitch is where the, um, the Japanese touch and go, hmm. right? Um, or, like, sub-pop or something like that. It, it's kind of stuck in the 90s, I guess. But so more um, like, like a Japanese 90s feel. Sort of. I mean, it's, you know, what's the other phrase I use? Post-everything. Post-punk, post-hardcore, post-rock. Cool, cool, um, cool, cool. The, um, 
I don't know if it's cool. It's something that can make you sound like a dick, but um, anyway, like Yaka just have this slight kind of post-punk sound, and they've got that kind of dynamic that I really like. The music's complex, but there's tunes in it as well. If you kind of look for them, it's like accessible. It's huge fun, and they're just an incredible live band. Um, but then there's this also there's also this band who uh, called Mir M I R named after the the Russian space station in the eighties. They never never really sold anything very much, but maybe even more than Hyaka, they're right at the heart of like a lot of what the labels stood for over the past sort of thirteen years. I mean, they're at the heart of what the label stands for in the sense that they don't sell anything, but they're awesome, right? <laughs> um, now that is hardcore. Yeah, but they um, again, I did a couple of mini albums of theirs. I did one. Um, an album called, or a sort of EP really called This Tiny World. Again, it's like male-female vocals, this sort of really cheap synthesizer sound and this kind of very sparse, kind of icy, but really melodic with sudden rushes of noise that come into it. Um, terrible musicians, but just like a really awesome feel to what they do. And then we did like a second one, which they just did as a duo, just like an entirely synth-based duo with a kind of cheap rhythm machine, which we, we just gave away that album with a zine that we did. Um, that's actually sold out now, which is lovely. You um, make zines too? Uh, not so many, but occasionally, yeah. I mean, like Quit Your Band, my book, originally that came from a zine. We, that's uh, fantastic. We did a couple of... I made one or two zines. This show originally was a zine. That's cool. Zines yeah. are the best. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually sell zines. Cool. We, I don't really sell them. <laughs> <laughs> I was working for a shop in we, San Francisco did, that yeah. sold them. You ever go nice. to a Harold's, uh, Harold's newsstand back in the day? Um, of Geary? I, I, I know of it. Yes, yes. I was the night manager. Yeah, zines. Oh, jeez. Hijinks. Uh, uh, oh. Good stuff. Anyway. But anyway, yeah, the thing with Mir was like, um, for the 10th anniversary of the label, what we did was we made a tribute album, um, mm. a tribute album to Mir. So it's like, we made this really kind of expensive sort of packaging using like special kind of fluorescent color on it that cost like a ton more to print. We made like the most expensive jacket packaging that we could, wrote sort of pro proper like liner notes, booklet and things for it. Um, and a tribute, and it's a tribute album to a band that nobody has ever heard of, right? <laughs> and we, and the design of the jacket was beautiful, all bright pink, with, and there's no information on it about what it is. Like, there's no track listing. You don't know any of the bands who participate. <laughs> so even if some of the bands on it were a little bit more famous, we don't get any benefit from that. It was the stupidest thing we've ever done. Or the coolest. Or the coolest. Yeah. I mean, it, it was based on this principle that it's like if it sells 20 or if it sells 200 or if it sells 500 copies, you know, 10 years from now, you're not going to look back and think, oh, yeah, that was awesome. We sold like 200 copies of that. You're going to look back and you're going to think that was a cool thing we did. Right. So we we just kind of, yeah, we, we just um, got like 17 or 18 different bands or something and covered every single song Mir had ever recorded or written in their lives and we, we made this and it, it came out really it just felt it felt like a sort of concept album because it's all one band and because the same sort of themes and you know lyrical themes and concepts kind of return a lot in Mir's songs and because they tend to 
enjoy playing off the same sort of chords. The whole thing had this really consistent feel to it, even though the bands recorded everything in really different conditions. It, it's, one of, it's probably the thing that I'm most proud of having made. That's awesome. Yeah. That, that's I love that punk rock DIY stuff. I just <laughs> love that shit. Yeah. I just love that you just didn't have any names of the band that the band's recovering. You know, it's just like fuck it. If you don't know, fuck what you. It, on the front, <laughs> it, on the front, it says the title says "Small Lights: A Tribute to Mir," and then on the mm-hmm. back, none of the name. <laughs> there's no track list. I would love to get a copy of this now. I'm intrigued. <laughs> I should have brought one for you. I've got way too many of them still lying around my. Flat. I will pay you for one proudly. <laughs> and. Uh, Faders, thank you very much yeah. for supporting the Patreon page. I want to give a shout-out to each and every one of you guys that are supporting the show. You definitely bought us the beers tonight. You have to pay for our stickers and for our new logo. And uh, you brought Mr. Ian here, who's telling us about labels. And actually, i got another question about your label. Let, let's say, I mean, there's a lot of people that listen to this show. It's, it's crazy. I don't know why you guys listen to us, but... Um, if somebody is in Japan, like, let's say there's a Japanese band, or let's say, you know, do you do you have any international bands on your label? Like, for example, Gaijin Band. Like, uh, five dudes from, like, let's say, Canada, America, England, wherever, uh, and they're in a band, they're okay. Do you have any bands like that on your label? Like, um... There's definitely some, you know, some... Some? Uh, foreigners, kind of, who are in bands, who are on, you know, who are in bands who are on... Uh, call and response who I've released okay. I mean there was uh, actually like a few years ago I put out a couple of albums by this guy from Slovenia who was he used to spend quite a lot of time in Japan so mm. I, I put out a couple of his English language albums rather than his Slovenian language ones which he a local label was doing um, although he's like quite successful <laughs> in sort of Europe now so he doesn't really come back to Japan these days oh shit um, Japan it's great for music yeah, it's not a great place to make money from music. Mm. <laughs> um, well, I'm thinking Fuji Rock and Summer Sonic. No. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But, uh, but how um, would somebody get in contact with you? Let's say somebody's like, dude, I've got a band. I think we got something, and I would love to get our music out there. Uh, we don't have the time or the resources to do it. We need help. Like, um, you know, just, just find me and uh, send me a link to your stuff, I guess. I mean, it's... Um, it's a tr- it's a tricky situation, I think, being a, a foreigner in a, a band in Japan because I think there's inherently a certain amount of skepticism about you from people in the music scene here. Just I don't think it's like kind of outright prejudice. I mean, it is prejudice, but it's it's not outright racism exactly. It's just that people look at you and they're just like, this guy's not going to be here for ever, is he? It's like. After three years, he's yeah. Gone. It's like the investment that I'm going to put into this person. Is it going to pan out? Is it going to play out? You know, and so I think it can be a bit difficult. And also, just because the music scene here throws up a lot of uh, barriers that Japanese musicians just accept and are kind of willing to work with, and that a lot of foreign musicians are just like dude, in L.A. it's not like this. Why should I have to deal with this bullshit? What kind of barriers, for example? Well, I mean, I think the pay-to-play system is like the biggest and most mm. obvious one of those. Mm-hmm. I pay um, all my bands, fairly. Yeah. And I, sometimes it's tough because when they don't bring anybody and they're like, uh, yeah, so are you going to pay me? I'm like, here's 10 bucks. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Well, if you're, I mean, if you can't even muster your friends to go to your own show, And well, foreigners have man. tons of friends, usually, because they all work at English school. No, I'm joking. <laughs> oh, I don't do it. Yeah, no, it's it's tough. It's a tough life being in a band. I think, I I mean, in some ways, it's like the most 
embarrassing thing in the world is like when a friend of yours says to you, it's like, hey, I made this like thing that I think is really beautiful and I poured my heart into this thing. Please come and support it financially. You're always like, oh shit. You know, you're obviously not a painter. You're, you're putting it, you're putting me out, you know. Like uh, I guess you know because before you came here, me and Sean were talking about starting a band, and now it's just like, dude, put the banjo down, dude. My harmonica is staying in my pocket. We ain't going nowhere, Sean. It's, well, it's all ukulele yeah. music now, man. It's all ukulele. ukulele music. Oh man, jeez. <laughs> oh god. So, um, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's all right. No, no. Right I mean, here. it sounds like it, <laughs> I, I, it sounds like you're, yeah. Last we're on last questions, right? Well, you know, I, I think I think we covered pretty much everything. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Have you ever had a band that you you just couldn't book or you couldn't like uh, sign, or is there a band that you signed where you're just like, oh my god, I can't deal with these guys? It was just too much like Sid and Nancy bullshit or something. That's like every band. That's like every band? Yeah, I know. I got a lot of shit with some bands. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, every, everybody's... Uh, um, like, the, the worst thing is just like when you book band, when, when you um, sign a band, you release their CD, and then within weeks of the CD coming out, they split up. And oh, like, yeah, I can imagine, huh? And that happens all the time. And all the time. Well, bands put out one CD, and they're like, oh, cool, we've done that now. And then, like... There's only one band that did that successfully. Yeah. Hey, yo, what's up, baiters? Johnny here. You know I love booze and news, but I also love art. So come on down to thespiltink.com and check my art out. I've got tons of stuff there for you to check out. And I've got paintings, I've got prints, I've got videos. And I tell you what, if you like a painting, I can probably sell it to you. And I tell you what, if I can't sell you that painting, I will definitely sell you a print. I've got prints of all my work. Prints are about 2,000 N each, about 20 bucks, but if you buy two, you get the third one for free. So come on down to thespiltink.com. Yo, and on top of that, I'm looking for commissioned work. So if there's something that you want me to do, I can make it for you. Just check out my stuff and see if you like my style. And if you like my style, I can definitely paint you anything on canvas, paper, whatever. I've done it all. So come on down to thespiltink.com. That is T-H-E-S-P-I-L-T-I-N-K.com. Thespiltink.com. Prepper. Operation Ivy. Operation Ivy was one band that released one amazing CD back in the day, record or cassette tape. Yeah. And once they released it, they broke up. And Operation Ivy is just ska slash punk gold. And it still is today. Okay. That's a, that's a great album. Yeah. I mean, they what did they become after that? I, I think one's alive still. I, I have no idea. But they, I think they evolved the, into kind of rancid and... Um, right. It's not really my thing. But <laughs> Operation Ivy is a phenomenal Yeah, band. I love Op Ivy. I don't love they, Rancid. No, neither do I. But they released one CD, and that CD, or, well, I bought it as a CD. And then after that and stuff, they just kind of liquidated. You know, they're just like, ah, oh, we're done. But, um, yeah, I guess you're right. So it kind of sucks when you, you know, you release a CD, and afterwards the band breaks up, because then you can't promote the CD with anything, really. Yeah, I mean, and also it's like, because the first, the first album you put out by by a band that's kind of that's nearly always going to lose money it's like you're banking on them building on that and then maybe their second album making a bit of money or something right mm. it's um i mean i i don't know i i i had um there was this band jibanchinka they were from like kagoshima they put out this one record it, it was like um 
it was like fraught with problems because like the album came out the the album's t- okay the band name Jibanchinka it means like subsidence you know like when the ground kind of suddenly drops and mm. you know because maybe like an underground cavern is sort of over, uh, sort of collapsed or something. <laughs> Great um, title. That, that was the band name. The album title was Hatsubai Chushi, which is like Stop Sales. Okay. <laughs> so that's that good then. Which, which is, which, you know. Kind of predicted kind of their own fate. <laughs> a bit cursed title. Um, I send the record off to press and it's going to take three weeks before it comes back. In the, in the inter, intervening period... The Great Earthquake hits in 2011. Oh, Suddenly, shit. the distributor is just like, we are not touching a band called Jibanchinka right now because that is just like a word that is in the news at the moment. Oh, um, The shit. album title is now kind of horribly, horribly kind of ironic. Taboo, um, right? Yeah, well, you know, well, the band name is Taboo. The kind of album title is just sort of a sad joke, you know. Um, Was the music good at least? It was amazing. But, I mean, we, we sort of, you know, finessed it. We were like, okay, we did a compromise. They, The distributor said, all right, we'll, we'll let it out onto the internet. We'll sell it online. And, like, Tower Records in Kagoshima, who'd been, like, harassing the distributor, saying, we really want this album. They're, like, a hot local band right now. Mm-hmm. And sort of in Kyushu, of course, like... That was so far away from the earthquake. People weren't quite as connected to the issue there, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, of course they cared, but they weren't sort of... It, it wasn't like their day-to-day reality the way it's it was. a step away. Yeah. Yeah, Tokyo and it wasn't Tokyo east, yeah. and certainly further east. So they kind of led it out to this one branch of Tower Records and onto the internet. And then six months later, they kind of let it kind of go out to other stores. And in the end, it didn't work out too badly. And... Th- you know, they, this band were, like, hot, you know. They were going to be, like, the new Afri Rampo or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they were getting tours with, like, bands like Boningen and stuff like that who were mm. coming over here. And then it just... Just, the, you know, a year later, the band just stopped. They didn't even split up. They just stopped. And... That happens to a lot of bands on here. They God, just stopped. Yeah. They just stopped yeah. performing, stopped practicing. You know, they didn't like, break up officially. One of, the members but moved, one of the members moved to Tokyo, and they carried on for a bit after she moved to Tokyo, but then another member moved to Fukuoka, and, like, the band were all over the country, and mm-hmm. it just sort of... Yeah, it just kind of ended. The singer ended up starting a new band, um, who were also oh, really good. That's the um, uh, nail in the coffin. Yeah. And Once the singer's in two bands, one band suffers. Usually the yeah. first band. Oh, yeah, I mean, we're, actually, we've got one of the bands on the label we've got at the moment. Uh, well, that, that band People that I mentioned earlier, the singer from People's also in Jebiotto, who's also on the same label, and they're, they're both... Mm. She manages it pretty well. But they're, they're, they're quite a tight-knit group, though. They're all mates with each other, and, um, you know, we'll put both bands on at the same gig, and she'll be like, yeah, sure, I'll do both, you know. That's weird. The bands yeah. that I know that have, like, a singer that's in two different bands, they, you never do that. Yeah. You know, it's either they play one band at one show and then another band with another show, and that's kind of like a thing that I have to deal with. And a lot of band, well, not all of them. If it's a singer, yes, but if it's like a guitarist or a drummer or something, they, they're so flexible. They don't care. They're like, oh, I can play twice. Awesome. Do I get paid twice? Awesome. <laughs> you know, and that's basically how it rolls. Yeah. Well, the, you know, but in my events, it's like you don't get paid twice. But <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're cutting you out of one of them. <laughs> but the. Um, 
How do you no, you, it's just like they get not paid on two different occasions in the same gig. Do but, you, um, wait, you pay your bands though, like no, when I they don't. perform? Not usually, like because the events that if the if the event makes money, I'll share that money uh-huh. among the bands, and if it doesn't make money, then which it almost never does, then really? oh, and also it's like why, if, why if are they not making any money because we're not popular. No, but I mean, if you have like a venue, wait, uh, how much are you paying for your venues? Because for me, nothing. Usually. Oh, nothing? I, I, I mean, not usually. And he often like, doesn't charge. Oh, you don't charge at the door? So it's like a free event. Yeah. Well, some of them are free, some of them aren't. I mean, also, it's like, if there's a band from out of town, then yeah. that band is getting all the money. Because uh-huh. if they've flown here from Fukuoka or something, they, they're getting I'm the money. I'm doing this wrong. I'm paying everybody. Well, you should. You should. It's just the... Yeah. Done. <laughs> no, no, no. I like your style a little bit better than mine. I'm, See, I'm my... not keeping any of the money myself. It's just that... Um, well, I, I, I just divide I, I just everything evenly. Who, yeah. You know, I, if there's a band from out of town, I give them priority because yeah. they've spent so much money coming here. And even with all the money oh, I'm giving Roga, them... Yeah, of course. Yeah. Like, if, if four people have flown here... Mm-hmm then, you know, 20,000 yen is not paying even a fraction of their tra- their travel costs. And mm-hmm. if they've got hotels, even more so. Oh, yeah. But um, but at the same time, 20,000 yen is going to mean a lot to them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the bands from Tokyo know that. They, they know that it's, you know, that somebody else deserves it more than them. That's all. It's mm-hmm. um, People here are very polite. Yeah. I mean, if it comes to, like, bands, you know, performing in other countries, for example, if you go to, like, New York and a band performs and shit, they want money. Yeah. You know, sure. they're, they're not going to... Have you seen the, the whatchamacallit, the documentary Anvil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, remember when they're in, like, the Czech Republic and stuff, and the owner's like, yes, and uh, here in our country and stuff, we give you goulash. And they're like, well, it's very nice goulash, thank you very much, fuck you, pay me! And the, the lead singer lives, gets in a fight with, like, someone, like bar manager and stuff yeah, and they yeah, get a yeah. lawyer a lawyer is there he's like you should get paid because you're here and you're playing and stuff you know yeah. but I mean here in like Japan and stuff everybody's just very polite and kind and stuff besides well also I think that's partly the kind of pay to play system is like if somebody doesn't charge you to play people are like oh my god we don't have to pay this is amazing <laughs> I mean I'm, I'm not saying that I I, I don't want to kind of, I'm not explaining I'm not exploiting people I promise no not at all if no, we no. make if we make money from a gig then the bands are getting that money but it's just that if there's a band from out of town, then it's them who's getting the money, not the yeah. local bands. That's all. Awesome. Um, yeah, it's uh, kind of... I don't know. How many events are you having in a month? Depends on the month. Just depends? One, one, one or two. Yeah, me too. I, I did three events in one month, and that was just... It was like every single Friday, I'm going to the club, you know, I'm out there promoting, I'm doing this and that or whatever. Mm. I'm dealing with the bands and, and most of the bands I deal with are great, but there's always like one bad apple or whatever where some guy's like, you know, the amp, the amp had this problem, that problem, this problem, this problem. Like, um, you know, there's a sound guy. He's right over there. You know, <laughs> can you tell him, please? <laughs> You know, there's, there's always somebody. But I don't things, usually get that kind of problem with the band. Well, see, my know. my events, I have two thousand yen, twenty dollars, all you can drink, right? It's like a nami horai, right. nisen yen nami horai, right? That's pretty good. Yeah, it's great. So what happens is a lot of people drink too much. Yeah. Which I love, I love it. But there's always one guy that's like gets way too wasted. He's like, hey man, when I was performing and stuff, you know, the, the microphone was like this, and I like the microphone like this. I'm like, well, why didn't you move it like that? No, but I'm not supposed. To. I'm like. Dude, this is like your second time performing ever. <laughs> Why are you tell you, you you did what are you doing? Oh man. Before we move on, one more time, can you plug your label? How can people find your label? Um 
I think if you just Google call and response records, you'll get us. I think the the uh, we, we have a website. Um, call and response dot it's like jimdo dot com. Mm-hmm. One of those things. You get Facebook. Facebook we, is really have, up to date. We have Facebook, which is one of those things that people are on now, and Twitter. Not so much anymore. No. I think I think in the next year, it's only going to be people's moms. That's that's honestly that's ideal for me. That's ideal for you. <laughs> <laughs> Once mom does it, it's not cool, man. <laughs> and uh, next, got, we have Instagram as well. Man. Instagram's and, great. Yeah. And next event, that was uh, that will be next uh, next month, September seventh. Little party at Substore. Yeah. yeah so Substore. Uh, I love Substore. Ian likes Substore. Uh, I'm more. I'm a more of a regular at Substore than Ian. And um, <laughs> but I'm on you. I'll Ian. definitely be there September seventh. September 8th is my birthday. Very nice. <laughs> so come on down to Substore and we're going to uh, we're going to get a little bit silly there. Yeah. And also nice. also next month on I think it's uh, September the 15th. It's not one of my shows but one of the bands on Call and Response um, Tropical Death. Mm. Very excellent um, sort of indie rock post hardcore band. Um, they're uh, they they've got an event at A Fukucho Jam which is going to be, I think, pretty damn good. There's nice. an excellent post-rock band called Makamanamun coming from Fukuoka to play that show as well. Um, that's going to kick ass, that show, and you should definitely go down to that one. You're going to just hear a lot of really, really amazing, um, just fucked-up, loud Japanese rock. Um, actually, what you were saying before about like singers being in two different bands, right? Like, so Tropical Death, right? The drummer from Tropical Death, this American guy, Sean. Mm. He, um, not this Sean, another Sean. McGee. He's, yeah, Sean McGee. Yes. So he, he plays in another. Sean McGee? Sean yeah. McGee. He, he plays Small in. Small World. Loop Rider, um, another band on <laughs> label, and he has his own project, Shark, which is mm. also on, uh, sort of, <laughs> released on Call and Response. And I remember there was this one show that I put on. Which had like, there were, there were five bands at the gig, and of those five bands, four of them had Sean on drums. Oh really? Yeah. He's we, like, we I've been paid four times, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Sean. He worked so hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Late all night, little drummer boy. He was. Uh, <laughs> he, he was really. He was really up for it. I said, "Are you okay about this?" He's like, "No, man." That's like a drummer's delight, right? I mean... I gave him a break in the middle. We put the one band that didn't have a drummer in the middle, so it's like double Sean, then double Sean, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It's great that you can remember all the songs. (laughs) What's up, Peters? Do you like our show? Of course you fucking do. That's why you're tuned in. But have you ever asked yourself if you could get more out of your got-baited experience? Well, now here's your chance, because we are proud to announce our very own Patreon page. But don't freak out. Our podcast was and always will be free, but with your generous donations, we hope to improve it. And since we're all about fan appreciation, we've got the sweet, sweet rewards for our donors. Rewards include, but not limited to, shout-outs, bonus content for interviews and news stories, chances to appear on our show, and even gift packages sent direct to your door. For more information, check out our Patreon page at Fade On.
Yo, faders, thank you very much for tuning in to this special episode of Got Fitted Japan and a mad shout out to Ian. Ian, we know you're very busy with your label and your writing and your second book, even though you say that you're not really that busy, but we know that you're very, very busy. I mean, I, I got a little peep on your itinerary and it looks like you're not sleeping ever again. <laughs> thank you very much for taking the time to be on the show. And um, also, faders, for all you Patreon faders, Ian did read a couple of news articles. So if you do sign up for the Patreon page, you do get all the bonus goodies, and we've got a lot of stuff on the Patreon page, and that is just growing and growing and growing. Bonus stories, videos, old shows that you can't get anywhere else, and a whole lot more. And we've got a lot of other really great stuff that's going to be on the Patreon page, so sign up. It only costs you a beer. It's like $5 for the minimum, and you basically get everything. And for everybody that has supported on the Patreon page, we're holding our beers right now in honor of you in support for you faders fade on thank you very much for tuning into the special episode of got faded japan once again ian you're the man thank you so much and we'll see you next week with another special episode they're all special every episode's like my children which means i've got a lot of kids out there <laughs> college money oh god i'm gonna be broke forever um anyway faders thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next week thank you so much how many times am i gonna say thank you thank you thank you <laughs> for tuning in to Got Fit in Japan. Oh, man. Um, yes, we'll see you next week. Peace. My little brother, a goddamn shit-sucking vampire. Oh, you wait till mom finds out, buddy. I've got a government job to abuse and a lonely wife to fuck. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Huh? God, the pressure! I can't take it! I can't take it! I can't stand to it! <laughs> you sure I should do this, man? We're going freaky! We came, we saw, we kicked his ass! Your move, creep. Oh, man. I will never forgive your ass for this shit. This is some fucked up repugnant shit. Ah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bold.